Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York. And Boca Raton, Florida. It's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for another episode of the Freight 360 Podcast. If you are brand new... Welcome to the show. We're glad you found us. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, welcome back for the 180th episode. Keep Continue to share us with your friends in the industry. Leave that review wherever you consume the content, whether it's podcast or YouTube version. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Blue Book. Blue Book Services is the resource that you need if you're transporting fresh produce. Their online database contains thousands of companies throughout the produce industry supply chain. You can easily search their database to generate new sales leads. And Blue Book's credit rating helps you avoid companies with high credit risk. Their team can also help resolve disputed loads. To learn more, go to ProduceBlueBook.com and click join today. That's ProduceBlueBook.com. I'm actually excited, Ben. We got a uh, we got a fun series with, with Blue Book coming up this year. Produce, lumber, looking at it's specific be- commodities as they come into season. It's going to be fun. It is. Lots and lots of prospecting content for those out there looking for new business, looking to grow their books of business and just make some more money. And there's going to be a lot of stuff for us to dig into in that topic. Yeah. I didn't realize. So, you know, I knew I knew Blue Book for their produce side. I never knew they had a lumber side. That was news to me when we met those guys last year. So same here. Pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Excited. Good stuff. Um, sports. I don't have anything much on sports. What about the on the golf side? How about the Genesis Open? Yeah, they are in the Florida swing now. Um, Honda Classics coming up starts tomorrow. The uh, practice rounds are now right up right, half hour, 40 minutes north of me. Um, but last weekend, the Genesis Open, John Rahm ended up winning. But did you see any of the news articles um, about Tiger Woods or anything that kind of happened there? I have not. Well, it's kind of funny because the memes that day were like people were talking about whether or not he was going to make the cut. He had a really good day, I think, Thursday. Um, just I think he shot exactly what he needed to to make the cut for the weekend, which was pretty cool. But um, the the funny thing was his driving and his club speed were like well above, I think, almost the entire field, if not the entire field. And there's one uh, one hole where he outdrives JT Justin Thomas, and the cameras catch him handing something to JT as he's kind of chuckling because he outdrove him like significantly, and they were kind of like laughing. And I guess he was ribbing him. And when they later clipped that out of the video and people blew it up and threw it on social media, he was handing him, we'll say, a feminine uh, <laughs> a feminine hygiene product that he was handing to JT <laughs> after he outdrove him, and it was like super subtle, like. And the look he has on his face is just like this smirk, like the old man smirk to the younger guy. And it's just like, I don't know, I thought it was pretty funny. But there was a whole bunch oh. of interviews after that. Like, oh, is this offensive? And then they're interviewing all these LPGA players. We're like, no, it's probably just a joke amongst friends. Like, we're not really offended. And he put out a statement wow. after it saying that he didn't mean to offend anybody in particular. But it was kind of comical. And good ammunition for your buddies if you're playing golf. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to throw one in my golf bag just in case that happens next year. I can just kind of rib my buddies. <laughs> the the one that I always did was like the Smirnoff ice. You ever do that? You get you ice somebody? Huh. You surprise them with a – like so Smirnoff ice is like the – it's like a murky – it's not clear, but it's not white. It's like a murky 
like malt beverage, like before like seltzers and stuff came out. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is if somebody ices you, they basically hand you a Smirnoff ice as like a joke and you got to go down on one knee and chug it. I got so it. So we'd always pack a couple Smirnoff ices in our golf bag. So <laughs> I even had a buddy in brokerage who sent one. We had a golf tournament and everyone was icing each other. And then afterward, everyone goes back home and my buddy mailed a Smirnoff ice to this guy's like office in Utah or wherever it was. And he opened it up and was dying laughing, but uh, took a, took a picture or video of him down on one knee chugging it. So, well, I got a follow up for you too. You asked me about funny or crazy things about the waste management open the week before and about how it's like one of the rowdiest, I guess we'll, we'll so-called like a drunk fest, I guess, where there's just more yeah. drinking and partying kind of, well, there was a guy that was streaking on the 16th hole. Um, I saw that fantastic mullet um has is doing it in like apparently and i really i wish i could find the article that said what he was wearing but he's wearing like bikini briefs right as he's doing this he gets arrested but what was funny was he was wearing like a, and i wish i could find the name of the company whatever this company's underwear brand was which is like an up-and-coming i guess brand on social media that company paid his bail um, to get him out of jail, actually. So there was a news article that the streaker's bail was paid by the underwear company he was wearing when he I saw he made it like all the way to the water and jumped in. Yeah. That's funny. Um, wow. Yeah, that Good was stuff. for sports. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, streaker bailed out by underwear company, Shinesty. <laughs> Um, Shinesty, Shinesty was the okay. name of the underwear company. And if you just Google it, it is a pretty comical <laughs> image. <laughs> I love it. Well, we got a good episode today. We're going to be talking about, uh, we're kind of zooming out here a little bit. We're going to be talking about how to you know increase and optimize your sales through some less specific, but more broad lifestyle type thing. So we'll get into that here in a second. But first, let's give a shout out to our friends over at DAT and we'll get into it. Tired of struggling to find accurate rates and the right carriers for your freight? With DAT1, you can access more than 500 million posted loads and trucks every year. That's three times more capacity than any other load board. Plus, their integrated freight management system makes it easy to cover loads 24-7. They have the most trusted network of carriers, brokers, and shippers in the industry. We've personally been using it for the better part of a decade. I know I have as well. Really excited. We got to dig in and get a demo on all their new products. There's some really cool stuff in there. So really anxious to dig into how that can be used and do some videos up and coming for people to dig into this. Um, Take advantage of a free month of DAT1. Check out the show notes for a link where you can give us some credit for referring you over. It would be greatly appreciated if you're a fan of the show. Absolutely. Yeah, I liked it too. So we, um, that, that was just this morning. We went yeah. through that. Yeah. The, uh, so some of the stuff that I never saw before that I've heard of is like the lane makers. Lane makers. And then rate cast. It was, so did you see, like, I, I was taking down notes when we were going through it. He was telling us their forecasted rates based on the algorithm and data that they use is nine, has been historically 95% accurate up to one year out. It's so, wild. Well, and what's cool, a, 
it blew my mind. I was like, how do you get that accurate? Yeah. Well, and then the other two features to just give our listeners a little bit of insight, like lane makers is a tool that basically if you get a new lane from a shipper or a new customer, it happens constantly, right? You can go there, put that lane in. And what it'll do is it'll show you every carrier that is not only posted their truck on that lane, but also has searched for the loads on that lane. So you can literally get insight into what carriers were looking for these loads over the past few weeks or months or however period you want to set it up for and look for the ones that have actually posted a truck there. So again, your most likely place to call to find some capacity. Really cool. And also the RFP tool um, that is already rolled out, but will be rolled out more to people with, I think that only have rate casts for now, but when you go to go to the bid tool, you can pick high, medium, low. You can add your percentage that you want as a margin added to it. And it will go through all of your lanes and then spit out exactly what you need for your RFP. And then the core thing I thought was most of these are done in one or two or three stages. Like you don't just submit them once, though. Usually you submit them, then they give you feedback. You submit them again. You go back to your saved RFP and can just you know, ratchet up or down your margin percentage based on what you want to change them to, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, definitely. Cool stuff, man. I dig it. All right. So uh, optimizing your sales. So the, the, the reason I I thought about, I thought about this a couple weeks ago, I was like, we've got to talk about some of the bigger picture things, um, you know, in brokerage, right? Because someone asked us a question about a month ago about the burnout, right? And, you know, we think about work and, you know, I'm just going to do these things because they're good for, you know, it's going to help me prospect better and whatnot. When you think about it, the amount of time you spend working, doing your job, it's such a large percentage of your life that all the other parts of your life have a big impact on it, right? It's, you're, you're taking up a majority of your time, not a majority, but a, a big chunk, about a 30 year day is spent working if you work eight hours a day, right? And a lot of us, um, I can't tell you the last time I worked an eight hour day. So that night, weekends, all that stuff. Well, even more so than that, right? Like in an average, I would say as an average broker, I probably work between eight and 10 was the average, probably call it like nine, probably closer to nine or 10, right? Especially early on. But then, I mean, at the time I had a 40 minute commute on each side on a good day, right? A bad day, maybe an hour and 10. So to be honest, I was like outside leaving my house, I would say at like six in the morning, pretty much every day, not getting home until about 637. So, I mean, that's real close to 12 hours. And then if you're yeah. sleeping, hopefully eight hours, you only got four hours left, right? You're sleeping, you know, eight, you're at work 12 with your commute. You don't have that much time left. So an overwhelming amount of time is going to be spent, you know, building your book of business or probably doing this job when you're early in. Yeah. Yeah, I had the. Uh, I mean, obviously, I work from from home now, but I I used to drive probably forty five minutes each way, and then you know nine hours with the lunch break included mm-hmm. in there. So yeah, it was like eleven, ten and a half, eleven hours uh, plus whatever I was doing at home afterward, and yep. taking calls on the drive in, drive home, all that stuff. But so anyway, like that's that's the big thing. I guess I'll kind of start out with um, like a bad habit. Um, because you made me think about it when you talked about the commute in. So with a lot of people that work remote now, or if they have a short commute, from the time they wake up to the time that they're quote unquote working, could be such a short amount of time if they don't plan it out. Like people just roll out of bed and start working, right? Yes. Um, and again, we're not experts on, you know, 
You good? I am. I was going to follow up on your thought. There's a book that I was, I wanted to look oh. right <laughs> If you're not watching the video, I bet Ben looked like he had a genius thought, but okay. So I'll continue while you look for your book. But, you know, I used to find that the commute to work helped me get my mindset right. And I was always big on, uh, you know, audiobooks or listening to podcasts, stuff like that, just to get my mind and my, cl- my mental clarity in the right, um, you know, headspace. Whereas it's very easy when you work from home just to wake up and get right to it. You know, like if you don't have a healthy routine in the morning, whether you work from home or you go to the office, uh, it's you're you could be rolling in a bad habit into the beginning of your day, which makes you less productive. Huge. So the book is and again, some of this is a little bit, I'd say cheesy, but it is a very good book. It's called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. But it really does talk all about the things that you do in the morning to set yourself up to have better mindset, better quality of life, better performance, better all of these things. And one of the biggest things they talk about is that you should absolutely not be doing what you just said. And furthermore, they said one of the biggest things that people do to start their day is as soon as they open their eyes, before they even go to the bathroom or grab a drink of water, what do you think the average person does now? Checking their phone. Worst thing you could do is to look at your email or jump on your phone because that sets the tone for the day. And it starts the tone of already chasing and running and being anxious about the things you've got to do before you can even do them, right? Like if you got to go brush your teeth, do your morning routine, get a shower, whatever, your mind's already racing and you're already setting yourself up for anxiety, right? And that feeling of just unease. It is by far one of the worst things you could do. Yeah. So let's give a comparison, right? So if you, let's say you did not have access to your email from home, you woke up, you did your morning routine, got your cup of coffee, had breakfast. If you're a breakfast person, you drive into the office and boom, then you see a cluttered inbox, right? You're not thinking about, you, you, you know, you're, you're not thinking about any of that before you get there. You might know what's coming, but you don't know what's in the inbox versus we're all digitally connected from everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you wake up and the first thing you see is like 40 emails and 20 of them are from a super important chain of something that happened overnight that you know is bad and you're like, I got to fix this. I got to fix this. And then you hop right into it. You have, Your body and your mind have not even had a chance to like wake up and get you in the right state of mind. So, and I want to talk about specifically that because there was a lot of research done on that during the pandemic where we went from exactly what you said, commuting to basically starting your day whenever you start your day, right? And well, the, one of the interesting things that I remember reading that really kind of shocked me was they look back throughout all of civilized history and looked at the average commute time between when somebody woke up and when they got to work. And I mean, literally going back like through ancient Rome and ancient Greece. And what they found was even back then when you walked or rode a horse or took a cart or however you got there, the average time has never changed. It's like 25 minutes ends up being like the average commute from wherever we live to wherever we worked for almost all of human history. And they said the other interesting thing they found out was it just happens to be that when they started researching, It takes about that amount of time to transition your mental status from a home life to work life. It is a different mindset. There's different focuses. The way your brain operates in the context that it's in, it thinks differently. That's why a lot of the tips you saw early in the pandemic was have a dedicated workspace. Do not work where you relax because your brain thinks of things differently based on what's around it, our surroundings. 
And if you are literally sitting in your living room, people have a hard time concentrating because your brain is going, oh, you got to do the laundry. Oh, did you clean out the fridge? Oh, hey, remember you got to, you know, fold the laundry, cut your grass, because that's what your brain is used to doing when you're in that space. But when you're in the office, you're rare. Again, we still think about them time to time, but it's rarely the overwhelming like need or anxiousness to try to do those things because of where you are. And they said one of the best things you can do if you're working from home is to try to create that artificially in your day. Meaning if you have to start your day at eight o'clock, maybe take a walk around your block for 10 minutes before you start your day. Maybe go run on the treadmill, maybe walk your dog, do anything you can that isn't a home task or a work task for about 15 to 20 minutes and your mindset and your ability and all the anxiety around it goes down significantly, giving yourself that time to transition into the workday. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The um, the whole separation between work and home can be a very, very, like a lot of blurred lines, a lot of gray area. But I guess the, the big, the big takeaway on, you know, that, lifestyle and getting up and getting ready is we don't want to come into the office with a, you know, a high level of anxiety, right? You know, those warning bells going off in your head that something is wrong and got to put this fire out. You want to go in there is, is, you know, perked up and energetic and as mentally clear as possible. Otherwise your entire day is Mm going to be followed on, but you know, is going to go based off of how you've set that starting tone right there. Here's two other really good ones for the morning. And if you want to learn more about why these are true, go to YouTube and look up Huberman Lab. The guy who puts them out is Andrew Huberman. Um, He also has a podcast out there. He's a researcher. I forget, maybe um, Stanford or whatnot, but he researches this specific thing, psychology, physiology, why these things do what they do. And the two ones that have always stuck with me are the other thing people do when they first wake up is grab a cup of coffee first and studies show. And he, and you can find this on his channel. He explains why this is the case. But if you drink a cup of coffee an hour after you start your day, the way you metabolize caffeine, it lasts like three or four times as long. If you drink it right when you wake up, it only lasts like a half an hour to 45 minutes. The half-life is much shorter. As if you wait an hour and then have it, it lasts like three to four hours. That's interesting. The other one, and I've done, I've like literally incorporated this and it is noticeably different. The other one is your brain has a lot of cortisol in your system throughout the night when you sleep, but does other things. I don't know what, but they're important, but that's the same stress hormone. That's the same hormone that gives you anxiety. And most people report a lot of anxious feelings when they wake up, a lot of unease, exactly what we're talking about when you pick up the phone. And again, if you want to understand why this works, go listen to his, you can just throw it in YouTube and he'll explain it, but it's light Um, like how our brains are meant to transition is from sunlight. And they said the best thing you can do to wake up efficiently and effectively is to just walk outside and be in sunlight. If you can't, because it's cold outside, walk up to a window and literally just kind of be in the sunlight as much as you can, because your brain, that's how it transitions from sleep today. And it's how it clears all of those things out of your system as fast as you can, as it can. So like 10 minutes of sunlight, wait another 45 minutes, have a cup of coffee is like ideally two things you can have to have just a much better day. <laughs> I'm laughing because for those of you that live in an area like me in Buffalo, yeah. <laughs> um, the winter months are awful because 
it is cloudy the majority of days. Mm-hmm. So even if I open up the blinds, like I'm looking outside right now and it's like, oh, there's snow on the ground. It's cold. It's gray. Um, so those but- lamps help. They're not as good as the sun. But if you live in an area that is like that or even farther north where your days are even shorter, they recommend having one of those in your office and turning that on, you know, when you're starting your day and just like reading the newspaper, not that anyone reads a newspaper anymore, but reading a book or something other than getting into your computer first and just being in that light helps tremendously with those things. Yeah. So I want to, um, I'll kind of transition the whole morning thing here because health and fitness is in our part too. And again, we're, we're, you know, we talk about freight brokering, but a lot, like we said, a lot of what you do in your life is going to reflect on how you perform at work. So um, for me, I'm like, uh, some days I eat breakfast, some days I don't eat breakfast. It's, it just depends on how I feel. But, um, I have too many times seen like colleagues or coworkers around me in the past that they're rushing to get to work. They're that person that's always five to 10 minutes late. And then they're trying to, trying to chow down some kind of food because they're starving and you know, they're, it's just insane, right? They're all over the place. And then they get settled into their job, like considerably later than everyone else around them who had proper planning beforehand. So, um, you know, I am a coffee guy or a monster guy, right? So if I don't eat breakfast, I'm still going to grab something to drink, whether it's coffee or even just water. But I have that, that time to, you know, get some kind of nourishment or whatever my body needs into my system. So I'm not feeling like super like thirsty or hungry or whatever it is. So also by that in that same um, Huberman lab, they say that the third thing is to drink a glass of water. So like if you do normally start your day by drinking coffee, what it's really doing to help you get up isn't the caffeine, it's the liquid. So if you drink like eight ounces of water right when you wake up, rather than have your coffee and have it later, it does the exact same thing the coffee would have done anyway. But it does, to your point, help your body get started like metabolizing something. Dude, I'm a... uh... I'm a bottle of water guy. So when I go to bed, I have a bottle of water on my nightstand. I usually have like just a couple sips before bed. It's there in case I wake up and I'm thirsty if like it's super hot or something like that. And then in the morning, I usually down the entire mm-hmm. whatever's left. I just down it. Yep. And then I'm, you know, brush teeth, go to the bathroom, take a shower, get some coffee at some point. But yeah. And I wanted to cover something real quick before we jump into like a little bit more of the fitness and mental clarity, but it's like sleep is really how you start your day. So your day doesn't really start when you decide to wake up. Your day really decides when you decide to go to bed the day before, right? So whatever your sleep number is, the more you can do to try to do some things that'll help with your sleep is going to do a tremendous amount for you the next day. Like they said that if you could literally bottle up all of the benefits of sleep into a pill, it would be by far the best-selling drug Ever, Because it's the Swiss army knife of how our body fixes everything, managing stress, fixing that's wrong, helping with health. So whatever that number is that you need to sleep, doing that consistently, keeping your bedtime consistent every day of the week, including the weekends, does tremendous amounts for how you start your day, how much energy you have. Like if you get 30% less than what you normally get, it's like something like the equivalent of like working all day after having like three or four cocktails. Like it's something crazy, just like (laughs) how bad it is to not get that amount of sleep every day. And we all kind of know it, but we all also don't really track the quality of sleep. We also just kind of track the quantity. So 
wearing any sleep tracker, I think is, is f- fantastic. I've been wearing one for years and I literally wa- read that every morning. I'm like, Hey, how much deep sleep? How much REM sleep? When did I fall asleep? And when did I go to bed? And just trying to manage that because everyone knows how you feel when you don't get a good night's rest, right? The whole yeah. day is shit. If Apple could just make their Apple Watch have a longer battery life, because I got to charge mine every night. Otherwise, I, I used to do it. Though. I used to do it with like Fitbit. I used to do it with like apps on the phone. Um, yeah, but huge. But I agree. Sleep's huge. So the you know I got got listed here like health, fitness, whatever. The, the I'm going to start with like time management, kind of how you break your day up, right? So what I have found, and it took years to get this locked down, and then switching to a, a working remote thing, I had to refigure it out. Um, I find that my myself personally, I can work in certain chunks of time before I need change of, mm-hmm. you know, space or, you know, scenery, change of pace, whatever that is. Right. And I think that time is probably different for everybody. I know some people are like, I can do four hours and then I need to do, you know, take a break. Yeah. For me, it's like an hour and a half to two hours it tends to be like my morning. I get a whole bunch of stuff done and like two you know, maybe two and a half hours. And then as soon as I'm caught up and I've got a break in uh, my day, I'm like almost every single day re- religiously right around like 11 heading to the gym. And I go get a workout in for anywhere from like 30 to 45 minutes. You know, some days it's cardio, some days it's uh, lifting some weights, some days it's a little bit of both. Um, but that's, it's a routine of mine. If I can, if I can do that, I, I do it every single day. And I think it's, it's not just, the health aspect to it, there is like my mind gets in such a good place and I make it a point like I, unless my phone rings and it's something urgent, I'm not checking my email at that point. Sure. I might send a couple texts or whatever, but I am trying to focus on something at the same time as, you know, getting my workout in. So that might be an audiobook, a podcast. It could be just some music if I'm trying to get pumped up for something, whatever it might be. But I have found that for me, getting that, like having that break in time, getting a workout in, and then I come back, I have some lunch, and then boom, I'm onto like another two to three hour block of work where I can just cram some stuff out. It, it helps break my day up. It it gives me routine, and I feel like my body is almost like expects that next part to yeah to come into play here. What do you think on the I, routine stuff? I started doing that probably in my mid to late twenties. And the same as you, I used to work in the city and my days were kind of long. I was an analyst. So I would go to the downtown YMCA on my lunch break. And I found that everything that you said, and I also found that it like, it was like working two half days. Like when I went back to work, it didn't feel like it was the afternoon of the same day. It felt like I had the energy as if I started my day. And I was only like, all right, I only got like four more hours and then I can wrap up my day. So to me, it not only broke it up, I definitely got more energy overall. Again, it helps with your mindset. It helps with endorphins, all of the you know benefits of exercise. I think that's huge. The thing I want to point out that I read recently, and I think this makes a lot of sense. Paul Graham did an essay on this and it was like how to work hard. And he talks about that that is something that needs to be managed ongoing indefinitely for everybody. Because guess what? You have different seasons of life. There's different things going on. You have different types of work you're doing at different times of the year and different quantities of it. And that could be more true with freight brokers, right? Like, you know, during the pandemic, especially 2021, it was just, you know, like, herding cats trying to find trucks, right? Like everybody's constantly chaotic, 
But now we're in prospecting, right? So we've got to switch that gear. A lot more people are spending more time doing this. That is going to take up different amounts of energy, right? Based on what you're doing. So I think everybody just being aware of what they're getting energy from, where they're draining energy, because I think picking the best times of day of when you're most inclined to do those things is important into your routine. Like for me, I'm most creative in the morning. I do not do well trying to write content in the afternoon. I just can't, I don't have the juice. There's just nothing there, but prospecting, I can talk to anybody and I have that energy. So like I intentionally try to manage my routine based on when I'm a better fit for myself to do that type of work. Right. And it's different for everybody. Some people, it's not that big of a deal for me. It's drastically different. Yeah. So like for me, I have found that I get a lot of um, analytical stuff in the morning. And I, I, that's what I do a lot in the morning. Then after the gym, I feel and at gym, lunch, whatever, that's like when I'm like ready that the majority of my phone calls and meetings all happen in the afternoon because I'm energetic. I'm feeling creative. I'm feeling, you know, just feeling good. Mm -hmm. And even like, you know, if I've gone through periods of time where I'm on the phone for, you know, four hours in an afternoon or in meetings, calls, whatever, I have to break that up. It could be an hour and I'm burnt out. I'm like, like when I worked in an office, it was like, all right, I'm going to go take a lap outside or um, I'm going to go walk around the warehouse, around the office, just something, right? To give myself a little bit of a pause and then recharge you back into it. And now at home, I, I have a dedicated office space in my house. And it's a bedroom. If you're watching on YouTube, it's just a spare bedroom until I get some uh, doors, doors put up in a, <laughs> another room in our house. But um, I'll even just walk downstairs and grab something to drink or I'll just go down and have a snack or, you know, whatever it might be, but it, it breaks up that period of time, but it's not like a, I'm not taking a big hour long break. It's like, just break it up a little bit, give myself a chance to recharge, breathe mentally, get back ready to be and boom, I'm right back to it. So I want to talk a little bit about that subject too. And I'm going to, we'll talk about it as in regards to like, whether it's routine, but if you if you follow our show, we talk about batching activities a lot. And that means just grouping things together that you're doing the same thing. Because what draws a lot of energy from just humans is switching tasks. Like our brains work more like a train than a car, meaning a train gets its efficiency because it doesn't stop every block, right? They're designed to work on momentum. Your brain works much the same way. In fact, it takes, I think on average, most studies show like about 22 minutes to get to the same level of concentration if you are taking off task by anything. Like meaning if you are writing something and your phone rings and you look at your phone to get to that same level of con of concentration, it will likely take you about 20 minutes. So when you think about a freight broker, that's what's so draining about our job. It's that you're working on a shipment and then you get a phone call and you got to start having a prospecting conversation to then negotiating a shipment to maybe dealing with a claim all in 40 minutes, right? And you're just task to task. So when and if you can batch the things that you're intentionally going to do in a day, it is a huge energy saver and it helps you with your efficiency. So when you're prospecting, right, that means just calling leads, not searching for leads, then calling leads. That is switching tasks. You will burn way more energy alternating them than just grouping them together and doing them all the way through. And that's everything for a freight broker. So If you're making your check calls in the morning, do all of them together. If you're sending out emails to all of your customers, do all of them together before you go to the next thing. 
if you can, right? If you're doing your load postings, do all of them together. Don't post one, then call somebody, then post this, then do this. That is just a recipe for being exhausted every single day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can I completely agree with you. And again, the, we're not telling you that if you don't follow this to a T, you're going to fail. It's, the goal is to have some intentionality behind it because there's going to be the days that there is some fire that has to get put out or something gonna, is going to take priority even if you're in the middle of another task, right? Mm-hmm. If you've got a, uh, you know, a double broker situation and you're trying to figure out who is, you know, who's the actual carrier, you know, any of the details associated with that, and you've got to give your customer updates. Well, as soon as you get an update, you're going to stop whatever you're doing and hop on that. Cause that's, that's the urgent priority. And that's, that's totally good. That's what you should do. The, the whole point here is to have some sort of game plan and take intentional steps to, to just maximize how efficient you can be with your job. Because if you're, you know, if you're just dialing, 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 dialing all day long and you don't take a break or you don't have your work chopped up into blocks, you will get burnt out. You will come to resent this industry. And I think that's honestly why a lot of um, companies have high turnover is they just tell these reps, like you will make 100 calls per day and you will have X amount of talk time. And they don't coach them on like the best way to be able to reach that goal without burning out along the way. I remember like the first, uh, probably like the first like month of just making, you know, trying to make 50 calls a day. And I was like, all right, I, the faster I get it done, the faster I can switch to our task. And I like by lunch, I was like, this day sucks. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I just broken it up. And again, it took yeah. me time to figure out what that routine was. But um, yeah, you, you don't want to get in that, put yourself in a position where you're going to end up hating what you do. And I think this is really good, not segue. It's kind of the same topic is like what, what advice we can give to people that are in the prospecting stage, right? Where you are doing this, the bulk of your time, right? Newer brokers, you just started, you're in your first couple of months of business or in the first year, you should be doing a lot of this, right? And you mentioned a lot of them. One of them is taking breaks, right? Like when I was prospecting and doing exactly what you're saying, like I would probably about every hour, I was going to go take a walk around the building for five, 10 minutes because that was how I could clear my head. That's how I could maintain my energy, maybe a two hour block, but like periodically doing exactly what you said, walking around. The other thing I think that helps a ton with that is having an accountability partner or just anybody to prospect with. Because like the thing I think that is energy, like if getting rejected is going to drain your energy, right? One of the things that I've always felt replenish it is being able to commiserate in some ways with anybody doing the same thing, right? Because then it doesn't seem like you're all alone or that like, for me, it just felt like when you're, when someone else is going through the same thing and I could go walk around the building with a guy prospecting next to me and we all just kind of talked about who we called, it felt like I would get energy from it because you knew that somebody else was going through it with you, right? And I don't know yeah. why that works or why that is important, but every time I'm prospecting, even if I'm on a Zoom call with someone else, that is even like I have clients that are prospecting in a different industry. They can't even hear me. But just knowing that someone is going through it, I feel makes it also a little less frustrating and a little less, I don't know, hard. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said about the human thirst to be part of a community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as simple as like just having people around you or to be able to talk, you know, kind of like debrief and recharge just by, you know, decompressing after that activity. And it makes me think about the, like just other ways to recharge in general. Um, I think 
under, unless you got anything else on that, but I, I wanted to get to oh. like how to use your time off. Yeah. So like for me, I am a, uh, and again, I think everyone's different. I am the kind of person that like if I don't, if I don't do some kind of like time off, I don't, you don't you can call it vacation or travel, whatever you want. Everyone, everyone's lifestyle and desires and you know flexibility is gonna be different. But for me. I travel a lot for work. So whether it's the army or for visiting the corporate office for the brokerage I work for, I'm on the road a lot. Um, if I don't go and spend time outside of my house doing enjoyable things that are not work related, I will, it's, I, I would, I would burn out and I would, I would crash and burn. It'd be terrible. So I, I love to do like a, a weekend away or a night away, um, go for a walk outside when it's nice in the summer uh, vacations. Like I, I have every year around the springtime being a remote worker, uh, I've got family in Florida. I go stay with my mom or with other family down there for an extended period of time. It's not all vacation. There are some, you know, I do, I'll take days off and I'll go to the beach or like go to, you know, we've gone to Disney world and stuff like that. But I've like gone to my state at my mom's and set up a little office area in her house or in her condo that she's got there. And Boom, I'll work there. And guess what? It's a lot more fun to be able to go walk around when there's palm trees, <clears throat> Ben, than, uh, than snow up here in Buffalo. So, um, you know, some people that might be going for a bike ride, some people that might be going hiking. And for me, I I love sunshine, warm weather and vacation. So I, I like to go travel somewhere where it's nice and warm to do that kind of stuff. And I come back from those trips, even though I'm working for the majority of them, I come back just like feeling so much better than like the month yes. prior when I was like, oh, it's been winter for so long here. It's funny you said that. So the two things that I do that are definitely related to what you were just saying is my exercise that I do the most is probably riding my bike and where I ride it to is to the ocean. And again, I don't like go and hang out there because it's like I got 45 minutes or an hour, but just riding it there, looking at it, right. And turning around sometimes coming back, like is again, that's where I get energy from. I come back, I listen to a podcast or something and I'm like fired up. I got some insight or some new approach that I want to try. And like that to me is a huge, and I think there's another way that you can also kind of tie these together is like, a lot of the things Nate talked about are goals of people out there, right? Like I want to go to Disney World next year. I want to go travel with my family for a couple of weeks. I want to go spend time in a warmer climate. Make these goals, right? Where if you hit something in your professional life, you earn the ability to do this in your personal life. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. If, if, if you live and die by work, you're going to have a miserable life. Yes. Um, so if you have vacation days, if you have, you know, even just like a 15 minute break or an hour long break as part of your job, take them. Do yes. something besides work. I've seen people that sit there and they eat their lunch at their desk. Terrible. Keep working. Terrible, terrible habit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I will tell you this. When I was working in the office, about half the days I would eat at my desk because I used my lunch break to go work out mm-hmm. or to go do something that I needed to get done. Yeah. But I would always take a lunch. I would always take periodic breaks when you know when I was able to take five, 10 minutes and go go for a walk or whatnot. And then vacation days, I would always take vacation days. And I will continue to always take days off as I'm able to do so and travel and just do things with my family and you know my friends and whatnot. So hundred percent. I think that like just having a separation between working all the time and not having a personal life, 
you got to have some sort of harmony there between work and not work. And I think, to be honest, we have a lot we could probably learn from Europe. I mean, there's probably a happy meeting, some medium somewhere in between taking two months off, right? Of like a whole country and then <laughs> to some degree having no time off like in our country. Um, but there is somebody, and I can't remember who it was, described what you were saying, but he's like, you know what? I don't really like the word balance because you're never going to get to balance. You're never, again, we just talked about how long you're at sleep, how long you're at work. Like it's never eight, eight and eight. What you're really looking for is harmony amongst these categories in your life, right? Like, are, is there major disruption in your personal life because all you do is working? Are you never getting enough sleep because you're spending a ton of time hanging out and going to bars late and then working all day and you're just not sleeping? So where is the harmony not at, right? Because again, a way better, I think, analogy is like a symphony, right? Sometimes you're going to have a lot more percussion. Sometimes you'll have more of this. It doesn't really matter what you have. What you want to make sure is you don't have conflict amongst these categories where one is suffering dramatically at the expense of the other. Yeah, I think and I heard this explained recently in a way that was kind of cool. The guy said, um, you know, people talk about work life balance and it's not really balance. When you think about balance, it's two opposing forces that equal mm-hmm. each other. Right. Whereas it's more so harmony or, you know, synchronization yep. where they're not pulling against they're each adding. other, fighting against each other. But they have to all be able to blend together to fill up the amount of time in your day. So, but yeah, I agree. And again, it's going to be different on some times in life versus others. Like when I'm on the road traveling for work, I spend far more time doing work than I do when I'm at home, right? Because my family's not there, right? What else? And I'm going to take advantage of the time that I have there, whether whether we have a, um, you know, someone from out of town come in and meet us there as well. And there's a dinner or some kind of event afterward involved, or it's just, hey, I'm going to, I will stay at the office later and get work done because what else am I going to do besides, you know, go out and eat a hot chicken sandwich in Nashville and listen to country music when I go there. So, but um, yeah, it's, you know, but when I'm at home, like I'm not going to work till eight o'clock because when I'm done working, then that's the time I get to start with my family and my kids. So good stuff. Good you stuff. Sh- you get any other, uh, any other tips on this? Because we do have some q and I think we covered a lot of this. I, I, I mean, and again, we could go a long way into every one of these topics. I think maybe we'll put some stuff in the show notes or just loop some of this in. I mean, I think we covered a lot of the big categories. And I think, again, I think the most important thing is if you aren't working on these things, work on your awareness of these things first, right? Like start really thinking about how you're structuring your life, where you are in the season of life. Are you in a growth stage? Are you in a stage where you want to build, right? Because again, they ebb and flow, they change. It shouldn't all just be grind, grind, grind in the sake of what, right? Like, I don't know. What's the point? Are you working to live, living to work? I mean, it should really be a mix of both, not necessarily one or the other. Yep. That's absolutely correct. Well, good stuff. We got some some interesting Q&A today. Um, this episode is also sponsored by Lean. Lean Solutions Group is the industry leader in near, nearshore staffing solutions with offices in South America and all over the world, including freight broker back office operations, accounting, tech development, business development, marketing, customer service, and many other positions. To learn more about the vast solutions that Lean has to offer your freight brokerage or agency, Visit them at www.leangroup.com. That's L-E-A-N group.com. Some of the top uses for them oftentimes is uh, track and trace folks, accounting folks. Um, you know, a lot of those support roles that are taking 
that if you do them yourself, takes time away from you producing revenue. So check them out again at leangroup.com. All right, this first question, it's lengthy, but we're going to get through it here. We'll talk about it. Um, the, the listener says, I want to become an independent dispatcher. I've worked for 10 years in the warehouse industry. I'm 33 and want something different, but related to logistics because it runs the world. I want to dispatch from home and work from home at nights, the red eye, all night, every night, hustling, dispatching as many as possible and building a huge network. I know it doesn't happen overnight, but if you know how to, if you know to hustle, you'll get it. Build a reputable name in such a prone to be shady area. I want to do good business and a lot of it. Good business equals good money and good word of mouth. I would love to absolutely, I would love any advice possible for someone as myself as to the first step of jumping out there, how to make the biggest impact and get the business off the rip. I plan on doing school from online as well at the same time and get uh, some sort of logistics area. I'm ready now. I just don't know what the first step is. Okay, so... (laughs) This person's all over the place. They should probably listen to this episode, <laughs> the content of this episode, before they listen to the answer to this question. Um, I don't know that they really understand what they want to do. So the, the the core question here is how to become a dispatcher. Um, I would, you know, they talk about also going to school at the same time. I think you're going to win at what you focus on. So if your main goal right now is to go to college, that should be your main focus. And maybe you have a part-time job working or maybe you have a job, I don't know, part-time or full-time where you're not trying to just kill it, hit the ground running as a dispatcher, but work in the industry. Get acclimated and familiar with how the supply chain works, how transportation and logistics works. Um, if going to school is a side focus for you and you want to start the dispatching business, then we've got a lot of other, you know, we've answered a lot of questions on this. It comes down to understanding how the industry works. What is the role of a dispatcher and what's the value add that they provide to both brokers and carriers? And then you've got to build your network up of, of both. So I think I think this, this person needs to really identify what it is they truly want, prioritize those those goals of theirs, and then tackle them in that, in that order. What do you think? I know it was kind of a mouthful. Yeah, I think the same. I mean, one, it's pretty difficult to only work nights as a dispatcher. I mean, you could probably do it. I mean, I definitely have worked with dispatchers that have full-time jobs and do that on the side. Um, one I've worked with the longest actually does that, but she definitely also takes calls during the day to deal with issues and to help with things. So I don't really know that it's possible that you could just work the night shift without having that be a hindrance to the growth of your business, right? Because again, if you're calling out to develop good business and to have good work ethic and have good referral sources, you've got to be available. And to be available, you can't have all of these other things impeding in your time to your point. Like we've had the question before of, can I, can I be a broker part-time and I have seen it done, but it is the exception, not the rule because the problems that we deal with in brokerage don't happen part-time. They happen full-time. Okay. So you can't just say, I'm going to do this for four hours a day or three hours a day. And it's going to be, you know, gravy as an extra income. um, Cause you're not going to succeed. Like I said before, you're going to win at what you focus on. And if you're not putting enough effort into something or enough time in the day to something, you're not going to succeed. So I agree. I I missed the, I forgot about that, that nighttime part. I want to point out too. That like, again, there are lots of brokers and agents that work part time, but they've earned the ability to work part time because they have put in that time 
prospecting, being there whenever the need was there, whenever the problem was there. And over time, they have worked with this customer, maybe worked through most of the issues, maybe have the same carriers running the same lane. So it doesn't require the same 50 hours a week. But at the beginning, again, there are exceptions. Like we work, we have a client now that, you know, in his first couple months of prospecting, got a great customer, has one or two carriers running this business, probably only spends 12, 15 hours a week on this and is doing about 20K in GP. But again, these are definitely the exceptions. These are not the rule. And to expect that you're going to be able to find that perfect customer without having to go through all of the others is just, I think, unrealistic. Yeah, there, there's no shortcut to success in brokerage. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless somebody hands you a fully developed brokerage and says, here you go. But <laughs> yeah, that's still not, I mean, that's just an expedited version. But yeah, I mean, you've got to, you've got to put the time in and um, you know, it, it takes so many hours of working in this industry until you feel like you fully understand it and you feel comfortable and you can be more efficient in how you handle everything. It, it, there's a, there's a learning curve. I think it, it takes a lot of folks, at least that first like six months to really start to grasp, you know, if they're going to make it or not. So, yeah. and you got to go all in, in that first six months. Yep. All right. The, Next question. We only got two today, but this was a this is a good one. So, what kind of questions do shippers have for freight brokers? So, really, I mean, I think the the context of it. I think he was trying to he's trying to like basically write something out, or he wanted to create some content that answered questions that a shipper might have. Um, well, really, it's what information does a shipper want to know about a broker, and that information usually comes from us asking the questions. Um, but I've got a few written down here and I'm curious what you would add on. So, and again, a lot of this comes from content that we've put out and this is not all inclusive, but a lot of things that they're going to want to know, whether it's a motor carrier or whether it's a freight broker, if the shipper has goods to move, mm-hmm. they're going to want to know what kinds of, what modes of transportation can you do? Can you do flatbed, open deck, reefer, dry van, vented van, bulk and dump, you know, all that stuff. Can you do that? Do you have those carriers in your network? Or if you're a carrier, do you have that equipment type? Do you service a certain geographical area? Are you familiar with the markets in the Southeast versus the Northwest? Um, do you have any areas of special specialization? So we've got some folks at our company that are really big into hazmat are really big into project oversized, overdimensional, overweight freight. And they understand how the, the permits work and they know the good carriers to, to work in, that, in those uh, uh, those types of situations. Uh, they're going to want to know what kind of rates you have, right? Well, you know, and we can go on and on about pricing, but, um, you know, your capacity, your, your network of carriers, what, it, you know, how, what's your track record been of on-time deliveries, service failures, things like that. Um, tracking, can we, you know, how can we get updates on where our shipment is? Is it via email, text? Uh, is it done via GPS or manual? So, I mean, there's all kinds of things. Again, um, I wouldn't take these and try to pitch somebody on all this stuff. You want to ask probing questions and find out what's important to them. Don't just spew this out at them. Would you add anything in there? What's your, what are your thoughts? Uh, my mind just blanked right when you said that I had two of them. One was availability, like, um, oh, yeah, how, yeah. how, I mean, are you available 24 seven? Are you available nine to five? Um, the other one that came to me was, um, 
your TMS, is it EDI capable with theirs? Again, not every shipper is going to oh, ask yeah. this, but yep. the same thing. Oh, I remember what I was going to say is if you go about that this way, what you end up with is, and I'll give you an analogy, like think about when you buy a car. If you thought of every question somebody had when they buy a car, what you would end up with is the spec sheet. Well, imagine pitching somebody how to buy a car by reading them the spec sheet. It has this horsepower, it has powered wheel, it has four wheel drive, it has power windows, right? Like they'd be like, yeah, like all that isn't important to me. The only thing that's important to me is the color and the gas mileage. It's the same thing with the shipper, right? Whatever their need is what's important. The rest of it doesn't matter. And the only way you can find out what that need is, is to most importantly, establish trust and rapport and then ask the question or try to uncover the need. Because if you try to do that before you have trust or any type of rapport with them, like you're just a call out of nowhere with somebody they don't know, don't trust, and they're going to tell you they don't need anything, whether there's a need or not. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, the rate versus uh, how quick can you do it thing. Yeah. You get some commodities where they're like, dude, this just has to get there. I don't care what it costs. Don't rip me off, but just can you get it there on time? Or they might be like, you know, we only have X amount in our budget for transportation. So if we need to wait three days to find a truck at a reasonable price, is what it we is. will. Yep. And if that's the case and you try to pitch them on, you know, speedy delivery, they're like, they're like, I don't, I don't care about speedy delivery. Like, you know, it doesn't make a difference to us. Yep. So yeah, good stuff. Interesting. But yeah, again, you should be asking questions and opening up those ears and listening, not just spewing out the spec sheet for why your brokerage is so great. God gave so you. I like, I like that analogy with the car. God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Well, good stuff. Good episode here. Um, we're going to be doing, we, I only mentioned blue book earlier. So we should, I think we're gonna have six episodes this year. We're going to do a couple on lumber. We're going to do one on produce and then three, the other three are going to be specific to produce commodities that are, that are in season at the time of the episode. Um, so stay tuned for those. We'll get, we'll get some more details ironed out in the future, but um, super excited to work with, with blue book this year it, with all of our sponsors. We, you know, we love these, these folks. We really trust their, their products and services. Um, we personally, I personally use all three. And yeah. Ben, I, you personally use all three as well. Yes. So we wouldn't we wouldn't wrap these guys if we didn't believe in what they do and what they you know what they stand for. So definitely check out the uh, the affiliates link in the or the sponsor affiliates link in the show notes or in the YouTube description, and you can check those folks out there. Um, any last thoughts here? Yeah, if you're looking for a new home for your book of business or looking to go from you know W two to ten ninety nine as an agent, you can reach out to me or Nate. Business to business logistics. You can reach us at info at freight360.net and Nate at Pierce Worldwide as well. Yeah. And again, we're, uh, you know, we're, I'm always in the in the game of helping people out. I've had folks come across to me that aren't a good fit and I've just yeah. point them in a better direction, right? Uh, the big thing with, you know, the agent world is every agent based company is a little bit different and um, not everybody is, you know, really w- based on what they want for their job. Uh, the agent world might not be the best fit for them. So, but definitely reach out to us. We'll we'll point you in the right direction or try to help you out with what we, you know, what we've got ourselves. So, uh, good stuff. Good, great episode number one eighty in the books. Ben, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. 
That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. If you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the Contact Us form on our site and we'll see you next week.